Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I'm Stephen Metcalf, and this is the Slate Culture Gap Fest Summer Strut 2023 edition. It's Wednesday, August 9th, 2023. On today's show, the Summer Strut. For those of you unfamiliar with this beloved, uh, by us at least, institution of the GabFest for 13, 14 years now, we've been throwing it out to listeners that they should send us suggestions. What are they strutting to over the summer? What songs? And we compile a mammoth master Spotify playlist. It seems to grow every year. This year, we shattered all records. We got 40 two hours 44 hours of music we call through them over several weeks each of us reduces our own personal list down to a handful of absolute favorites the gems that really stayed with us that made us strut or what have you and then we share them with slate's own chris melanthi host of the hit parade podcast old friend of this program and Slate contributor. But first, joining me today is Julia Turner of the LA Times. Hey, Julia. Hello, hello. Strut lives. We strut on. You're the great progenitress of this whole thing. You just asked for songs one summer to strut to, and listeners responded. Literally, I was bored of my music one summer, and that's why we all spend months chained to our desk listening to a <laughs> random playlist made by our beloved listeners. And um, this year, as with almost every other year, I have discovered so many weird little gems and byways that I can't wait for Chris to explain to me, even though my strutting has become freeway driving. And I was able to make a, a strong final progress on uh, my list this weekend in a what was supposed to be a three and a half hour drive with my family that became a seven hour drive. So we've all listened to all the songs and my family's view may or may not be reflected in my choices. Mm. All right. Well, I can't wait to hear them. And of course, Dana Stevens is the film critic for Slate. Hey, Dana. Hey, all I have to say on the subject of our yearly tradition is that on the way into the studio to tape today, I felt like I was going to the club. I swear to God, I was just like, I can't wait to see my friends and start listening to music. Rolling out. Is there a clipboard? Is there a velvet rope and a clipboard? Um, and of course, Chris Melanthi, uh Slate's resident chartologist and host of the Hit Parade podcast and very good and old friend of this program. Chris, welcome back. Thank you, Steve, and welcome everybody to the planet of the base. <laughs> so, Chris, you give me a great hook there. It, it Typically, we start this show with a discussion of the quote-unquote song of the summer. This summer, maybe we're going to skip it. There doesn't seem to be a super obvious one. We don't want to return to Morgan Wallen, Jason Aldean, even though they seem to be dominating right now. So we went in a different direction. Chris, why don't you, why don't you lead us? Well, I would say that this is the summer of everybody picking their own song of the summer, because even though Billboard still has a song of the summer chart, and yes, Morgan Wallen's Last Night is on top of it, as it has been since the beginning of the summer. It's kind of the year, I find, where people are heading off to their niches. For example, one of the songs we're probably going to talk about as a strut pick later on is a song by Kylie Minogue that has been completely adopted by the gay community and was the anthem of Pride Month a couple months ago. Um, 
another one that uh, seems to be making uh, everybody's lists in August, uh, and it only appeared about a week ago, but is now sort of like the TikTok bop of the year, is Planet of the Bass, a parody of a 90s Eurodance song put out on the interwebs by a comedian from Brooklyn named Kyle Gordon with a very enthusiastic female vocalist. Uh, maybe we should listen to a little bit of Planet of the Bass. Have a body, feel the groove. <laughs> it's got strut. It's got, you know, a beat. It's uh, culturally omnipresent for at least this brief moment. We may forget about it a year from now if we play this song, this show back. But for now, this is kind of what everybody's talking about. My favorite moment of this going viral in the past week was when I realized one of my main strut choices for my short list sounds exactly <laughs> like this song. <laughs> well, and it's a very specific sound that it's kind of a cross between Gen X and millennial nostalgia for 90s pop house of the uh, real McCoy variety. Um, it even, to some extent, sounds like Aqua, which has come back this summer thanks to the Barbie movie, you know, the song Barbie Girl. Uh, the male voice on that, which is Mr. Gordon himself, uh, recalls the come on Barbie, let's go party uh, vocal from the original Barbie Girl. And uh, I just love the way this, the lyrics intentionally make no sense at all. Like, all of the dream. How does it mean? And uh, have a body feel the groove. It's, <laughs> it's just a work of, you know, monkey genius. Monkey yeah, genius. Yeah, we should say there's only um, snippets of it out on TikTok and the full song is supposedly going to be released later this month. So, we'll, Right, we there's can... no chart story. There, sorry to interrupt. There's no chart story on this right now because there's no full-length song. Right now, it is strictly a roughly one minute TikTok clip. But if it if the song drops and it, you know, becomes a for real hit, you know, I may have to write about it in a couple of weeks, which would be wild. All right. Well, I th the time has come to strut. Dana, let's start with you. Well, I think I'm the natural one to start, both because, as I referenced, one of my songs was unintentionally a, a Planet of the Bass kind of ripoff, and also because it is possibly one of the songs of the summer, which Chris has already mentioned in his little lead-in, which is Kylie Minogue's Padam Padam. When this popped out at me on the list, I didn't know it was a new song, because we all know that Kylie Minogue's career has been, like, longer than the history of our, our nation, right? <laughs> if you look at her Wikipedia page, it's insane. She's been acting, I think, in Australian, like she was an Australian soap opera star before she became a pop star. I think she's been performing yep. since she was 10 years old or something like that, right? And she's just this kind of incredible hit machine who wherever you go, there's some sort of, you know, very, very danceable Kylie Minogue song. So I figured this had to be at least a decade old. As it turns out, it's from an album that hasn't even been released yet, which is coming out later in the fall. Uh, so this is, I guess, the lead single from the album, right, Chris? Let's listen to a little bit first, and yes. then you can tell us about Padam Padam. So even though, of course, Kylie Minogue is Australian, so she's a native English speaker, and I presume that this was written by native English speakers, it has that same sort of placeless Europop feeling as the as the parody that we, we started off with. And it's just so irresistibly danceable. I think part of what I love about this song is that it's just so... It is so sort of generic. It's like just a thing you would hear on the dance floor and not know or care what decade it came from or who was singing it. You would just want to be out there jamming. So, Chris, tell, tell us something about this song and about Kylie, if you have any thoughts in general about her very, very long career making music like this. 
Yeah. I mean, as I said in the intro, this is clearly the pride anthem of summer 2023. It is so declared by uh, Vulture's Jason P. Frank, who was a guest recently on the New York Times podcast talking about why the LGBTQ community has so adopted Padam Padam. But of course, the gay community has loved Kylie Minogue for decades. One point that Jason Frank was making was that Kylie Minogue is only intermittently a hit maker in America. That's the funny thing about Kylie's career in England in particular. She is royalty. She is Madonna. She is Lady Gaga. Mm. She is like mega, mega huge. And then in America, this song is actually number one on the dance airplay chart in Billboard right this week, but it has not touched the Hot 100. It, it basically has no other presence here. You know, we consider Kylie kind of a two-hit wonder here. She had a hit with uh, a cover of The Locomotion in the 80s and another spectacular hit in the aughts called Can't Get You Out of My Head. Those were both top 10 hits. But Kylie is more like a dance floor denizen. I would liken this song, Kylie, not to make this ageist in any way, but she's 55 years old and it's remarkable that she's scoring a hit with like yet another generation of fans into her 50s. I would compare it to what Cher pulled off in 1998-99 with Believe when she was in her early 50s mm. and produced what turned out to be a blockbuster single around the world, even in America, and also a, you know, LGBTQ anthem. But, you know, Kylie is her own genre, really. I mean, other than performing this song on the finale of American Idol back in May, it has a club-specific presence here in America. And maybe that is appropriate. It's, it's kind of a song of camp to a certain extent. This one was on my playlist, too, and I can't claim full ignorance because I think I'd heard on a couple of podcasts I'd had the sense of the song's prevalence and fan base among Pride 2023. But when it popped up, it caused me to perk my ears up even more than I would have otherwise. But it's a it's just great. Julia, do you want to offer one up? Yeah, I will share that I was driving around listening to the playlist with one of my sons. And he really liked this song. And so did I. And then the more I listened to the lyrics, the less appropriate it is for a 10 year old. But uh, through the months of listening since that was like my first or second go round at the 700 song playlist um, this song God is a Freak by Peach PRC has endured listen I'm just confused with the work that he's doing and I mean this respectfully God is a bit of a freak why is he watching me getting railed on the couch damn pure for a wedding he's Got fucked up priorities. God is a bit of a freak. Like, what's the fixation on hating the way he creates? So why would I spend my eternity with God when he's a freak? Like <laughs> um, I have not yet had to answer the question of what it means to, quote, get railed on the couch to impure for a wedding. But, um... <laughs> Chris, you want to give us some background on this uh, this one? Well, if there's a theme emerging in our first couple of selections, it's that we like uh, Australian hitmakers this year, because this is yet another Australian pop star, albeit considerably younger. Uh, her real name, Peach PRC, is Charlie Jade Kernow. She's 26 years old. She named herself for the Princess Peach character from the Mario video games. <gasps> even better. <laughs> even better. I got to say, like, Julia, when you were saying your kid cottoned onto this, notwithstanding the slightly filthy lyrics, it's... It makes sense to me. It's got the soar of a great EDM pop song of the last dozen years. It, parts of it remind me of Max Martin jams like Dynamite by Tayo Cruz or something like that. One of my faves. This comes off of her debut EP, which is called Manic Dream Pixie. That's kind of perfect, yeah. which was an Australian number one album in the spring. Um, she has other fun titles on that album, like F.U. Goodbye and Kind of Famous. This, believe it or not, is not one of the singles yet. I feel like it should be because it's catchy as hell. And 
she came up the way stars of her generation come up. She has 2 million TikTok followers and she's a former stripper for whatever that's worth. And that's when she developed her Peach PRC nickname. And uh, now she's got this really catchy pop song. Julia, my main surprise in hearing you cite that one is that both of us liked each other's picks already and heard them. I just thought because of the vastness of this year's list, which is almost twice as long as the normal list, I was a little afraid that there wouldn't be many convergences, but it sounds that we've already converged yeah. twice. And that's funny you say that because I that song was on my final, I don't know, 40 or 50 list. So yeah, it left, left out at me. All right. So I felt it was very important to kick off with a specifically strut-worthy song, something that when I heard it in my earbuds, it changed my gait, you know, my carriage, my pace, you know, walking. Like, it gets into your walk right away. So that was what inspired... And, and the melody is earwormy or whatever. So, and you're back, you're strutting in a pedestrian city again. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I used to listen to these lists driving interminably to, like, you know, fencing lessons and ballet lessons. You're, and, you're back to the OG strut. Very exciting. Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah, exactly. And so I just thought this one leapt out at me a couple of different times and I had to include it. It's called Futon by someone named Ula. <laughs> this one's fun too. Saw you at that party with your fake ass friends. Chris, I know, as I said, I know nothing about Ula, but, you know, at the glory of this whole process is by the time you get it down to 35 songs, it's involuntary at some level. Some songs should just be repeating on you randomly throughout the day, even when you're not listening to music. And this was just one of them for me, man. It got into my neurons and it just came back on me in these fetching ways. What can you tell me about it? So we're still in Australia because Ula is from Sydney. She is a one-hit wonder, if you even call this a hit. It wasn't a hit in America. It kind of was a TikTok hit. But the theme here that I see all over the playlist this year is what I would call pandemic bops, songs that express emo-ness at the height of the pandemic. This was written and recorded and you know released in 2020 at the height of the pandemic. And my favorite lyric, I think we heard a little bit of it mm -hmm. in the part Cameron played is the second verse, uh, which is just so wonderfully Zoomer. Uh, left unread, saw you at that party with your fake-ass friends. Yeah, they don't invite me. Slowly scrolling down on my phone, I'm always alone. So you really have to kind of key into the lyrics to get how sad this song actually yeah. is, and yet it's Agreed. just so damn perky. Yeah, I mean, I think that it's pandemic on we, but I think there's also a thread of just how embedded technology is in people's lives and social lives that's creeping into songs in an interesting way and, and has been for a few years. We also had that in that Muna song from a couple of years ago called Number One Fan, which had that great lyric. So I heard the bad news, nobody likes me and I'm gonna die alone in my bedroom looking at strangers on my telephone. Looking at strangers on my telephone. Well, Pre-pandemic, post-pandemic people are lonely and looking at their phones yeah agree i and the combination chris as you say between the like the upper and downer cocktail is somehow exactly. well, real tonic uh, yeah, it's a breezy strut it's light it's a light touch yeah it's almost got hammock vibes but not quite it's perkier than that yeah yeah i love it hammock vibes all right um chris what do you got all right, well, not to break away from the aussie theme that we've had so far but um i think i'd like to start with a song that brings back a bit of nostalgia for my, let's say, late high school days. Can we play Laurie Anderson's Get Baby Doll? Mm. And then I hear this voice coming from the back of my head. Um, whoa, whoa. Yeah. It's my brain again. And when my brain talks to me,
That song is so good. I love, like, sometimes you can like a song's avant-garde attitude, but then it's so avant-garde it refuses to carry you away, and it's a bop. And this one has just the perfect combo of Dada and Strut. Exactly. I couldn't have said it better myself. The reason this song is interesting is because it's the moment when Laurie Anderson decided after a decade of being at the cutting edge of the avant-garde and yet, you know, actually scoring the occasional hit song, she decided, I'm actually going to do a pop song. I'm going to do a whole pop album. She did an album called Strange Angels. She actually delayed the album by a year so she could take singing lessons. I'm glad we played enough of that song so you could hear both her typical talk singing and her actual singing singing because she discovered while training for this album that she's a soprano. She'd never really had singing lessons despite recording several albums. But like to use the German phrase, sprick a song. You know, she was somebody who talk sang through a lot of her songs. She didn't sing sing. And on this which, by the way, was an actual hit. It may be the only hit hit Laurie Anderson ever had in America. It was a top 10 hit on the modern rock chart in early 1990. It went to number seven on that chart. So it actually got college and alternative rock radio airplay. She basically, she brings in, you know, Latin beats. It's kind of a Latin R&B, almost gospel hybrid with the, you know, the R&B backing vocals. And it's got a strut and it's a real hit. You you get to hear some of the avant-garde, I work with Ardo Lindsay, you know, kind of Laurie Anderson. And you get to hear the, I'm going to be catchy and give you a pop song, Laurie Anderson. So that's that's what I love about this. Yeah, the only reason I didn't shortlist that one, Chris, is that I, like you, I think I already knew it. And one of my rules is, you know, if I'm already familiar with the song and love it, I'm not allowed to put it on a list. But it was so fun to see that pop up. And so many other songs fell into that category for me, too, where it was just like a total pleasure to hear them again, even though I wasn't going to shortlist them. Tired of not being able to get a hold of anyone when you have questions about your credit card? With 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yes, you heard that right. You can talk to a human on the Discover customer service team anytime. So the next time you have a question about your credit card, call 1-800-DISCOVER to get the service you deserve. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. All right, before we go any further, this is typically where we discuss business. Dana, what uh, what do we got? Steve, the only business this week is to tell listeners about our Slate Plus segment, which is what it always is on Summer Strut Day. It's more Summer Strut. We always have way more songs than we can jam into the main part of the show. So we just let the overflow go and become our Strut segment. If you're a Slate Plus member, you'll hear some extra song picks at the end of the show. And if you're not, you can sign up at slate.com slash culture plus. With your membership, you get ad-free podcasts, you get bonus content like the segment I just described, and best of all, you get unlimited access to all of the writing on Slate. When you're a Slate Plus member, you're helping the magazine survive and you're helping us continue to listen to great songs and talk about them every year. So please, if you haven't already, sign up today at slate.com slash culture plus. Once again, that's slate.com slash culture plus. Okay, back to Stratton. All right, Dana. You're up again. What do you got? I mean, I guess just to to get it out of our system, I'm going to do yet another song from Oceania. Is that what you call the whole New Zealand, Australia area together? This is a New Zealand band that I think you love and maybe have already used as a strut pick before in the past, which is the Beths. Oh, yes, You love you some Beths, right? Oh, do I ever, yes. So do you know their 2022 album, Expert in a Dying Field? (laughs) Dana. I think I've probably, I almost certainly have endorsed either it or something from it. Ah, see, I mean, I know them a bit through you and think of them as this sort of catchy power pop sort of band, but have never listened to an album all the way through. And this song really, really jumped out at me. It's the title song from that album, Expert in a Dying Field. Let's listen Such to it a little a great bit. Song. Thousands of phrases I've memorized, thousands of lines on the page, all of my notes in a desolate pile. I can 
Oh, man. I mean, what can you say? That is just perfection. That's yeah. everything a pop song should be. It's so hooky. It has exactly that contrast you were talking about where you're bopping along and then you realize the lyrics are utterly tragically <laughs> sad. Yeah. And it's specifically about a kind of breakup longing, you know, a sort of romantic feeling that I haven't often seen talked about in songs, which is, you know, all the in-jokes, all the information that you know about someone who you love and when the relationship oh, ends, gonna, what do you do it, with all that knowledge? And just the phrase expert in a dying field says so it all. perfect. Oh, Dana, this makes me unbelievably happy. I mean, I'm under the, you know, raucous delusion that I was the first person to discover this band, which I wasn't. But when I found them, they were teeny tiny. I was shocked to discover they now... They're big enough. They have to do multiple dates uh, in Williamsburg on their, you know, U.S. leg, right? At like a, you know, pretty big venue. And I, they just combine power and delicacy, melody, you know, attitude. It's just, I, I just think what they're doing is perfection. I'm so glad you agree. Chris, give us something on the, on the Beths. Well, I mean, I can't add much more to what you all have said about them. You know, New Zealand indie rockers led by Elizabeth Stokes. Uh, this is the title track from their third LP from 2022, which won pretty universal acclaim. I guess the only thing I would add is that what I love about that song, besides the 90s vibes, it sounds like revival grunge to me, which is nothing but a compliment as far as I'm concerned. I get like Juliana Hatfield vibes from that, mm -hmm. uh, you know, Blake Babies, that whole, you know, the Donnas, that whole sound. Um, the lyrics, it's a little like Ula's Futon, the song Steve pointed up before, in that it is secretly quite sad, mm -hmm. and maybe not so secretly. You know, I mean, Pitchfork said what, the song is about what do you do with the once shared intimacy of a defunct relationship, you know, expert in a dying field. Um, I love the lyric, the city is painted with memory, the water will never run clear, can we erase our history? And if I may be personal for a moment, the fact that I went through a divorce in the last year, this song really sang to me, I gotta say. So thank you for that. There's one other Beth song on the long list called When You Know You Know, mm -hmm. which I also loved. That was the Beth's bop that crept up toward my top list. So just flagging for those who liked that to also check out When You Know You Know. Very cool. Okay, Julia, what do you have? All right, well, we were talking a little bit about technology songs. And so I'm gonna go for a pick that is, I think almost entirely sung by your phone. This is the song called Mum is Calling by Tuchel. Would you like to answer? Mum is calling. Would you like to answer? I mean, speaking of songs that have kind of avant-garde gimmicks that you like at first but hope will not wear on you and will become actually musical like the like Baby Doll, this one was that for me. It like arrested me immediately with just being so odd. But then as it progresses, it's like very moving. It keeps playing with tone. Uh, eventually, like, the robot son sings back and they have, like, a strained exchange. I don't know. I, I found this song to be very emotionally moving. Hello, darling. How are you getting on? What have you been up to? I love you so much. Please look after yourself. That one didn't jump out at me. I think maybe because... Since, as I always say, I'm not a huge, I don't have a huge metabolism for listening to pop music. So sometimes things that are very techno start to blend together in my mind. But that one does pop out now that I hear it. And it's just, I would say that it's a strange blend of boppy and menacing. <laughs> There's mm. something about it that's sort of futuristic and has a metallic sheen to it. That's, you know, that's a little bit, it just adds a slightly ominous edge to the bop. I mean, I wish I could decode who and what that is because... Although Two Shell have been reviewed by Pitchfork and lots of other places, they haven't really been identified. It's, by all accounts, two women, a female duo from the UK. That song has what's called a UK funky rhythm. I love 
Julia, the analogy to Laurie Anderson, to Baby Doll, the song I played earlier, because yeah, I thought to myself when I first heard this, if Laurie Anderson was doing a modern day EDM pop song, it might sound like this. Um, it's it's avant-garde in that way. Pitchfork calls them internet-brained, which I think is exactly right. And it's glitchy and fizzy and playful and frankly, a little bit trollish. It reminds me a little bit of the first song by the Chainsmokers, Selfie. Can you guys help me pick a filter? I don't know if I should go with XX Pro or Valencia. I want to look tan. Which, you know, played around with vocals like that and made they made themselves anonymous on that track. But um, yeah, it, it turns weirdly moving as it goes along uh, and starts off sort of glitchy. Yeah, I mean, I actually think it's about technological alienation like i think it's a great song i actually don't think it's just a gimmick song and i think if you listen to it all the way through it's not menacing so much as it is um like plaintive and lamenting actually it's sort of about that relationship what is your relationship with a parent as an adult (laughs) how do you how connected are you how connected aren't you how is that mediated through technology i don't know i think it's like when I first heard it, I was like, ooh, fun gimmick. And and it holds up on repeat listening. Mm. And someday I hope to learn more about Two Shell. I think it's uh, it's my turn now. So a little bit of an intro here is this song is such Melanthe bait. <laughs> and he took it right away. He hit it like a great white, you know. He um, emailed me immediately upon seeing my list. We have to talk about this. We have to talk about this. Anyway, without... Further ado, Uptown Top Ranking by Althea and Donna. A classic. Chris, in addition to just the groove of it, there's another reason this is Melanthe bait. Why don't you take it away? All right. It was a UK number one hit in 1978. I love that it catches that moment in UK pop history where reggae, thanks to the huge Jamaican diaspora community in London, is fusing with everything. Picture the stuff that Elvis Costello, the police, the pretenders were doing in the late 70s. This is straight up reggae. However, in a way, it's almost a novelty record because Althea and Donna were two teenagers who were recording an answer record. And yet it is not a flimsy novelty record at all. It is part of the great Jamaican tradition of sound systems and rhythms, as they're called. So it's built out of a rock steady hit from 10 years earlier Mm. by Alton Ellis called I'm Still in Love with You, Girl. That rhythm, that, you know, underpinning, this is all like predating hip hop. It reappears on lots of records. And in the mid 70s, there was a flurry of records that was using this 1967 Alton Ellis hit Mm. to make new records. And a big one around, say, 76, 77 was a song called Three Piece Suit by Trinity, in which he's bragging about his threads and how, you know, they're all after my ting, you know, my thing, my my outfit. And these two teenage girls, Althea Rose Forrest and Donna Marie Reed, record an answer record with the same rhythm, the same backbeat Mm -hmm. as Trinity. And they kind of meant it almost as a joke, but it got serious play. John Peel played it on his legendary BBC One radio show, and people started requesting it. And it goes to number one in the UK. It does better on the charts than Trinity's three-piece suit does. So, like, it's just... A rich text of a hit. And by the way, it's a total jam. I mean, mm-hmm. it's just catchy as hell. So yeah, I could go on, but that that's what I love about that record. All right, Chris, I think it's you. All right, as long as we're talking about very British songs, uh, let's do a little more nostalgia. This is college nostalgia for me. Can we play Anxious by the House Martins? Oh, I was 
confess that I cottoned on to the House Martins when I was in college in the early 90s, but I was late to the party because this song is from their album London O Hull 4 from 1986. And it's from that peak British indie jangle pop moment when the Smiths were huge and still together. Um, the album is reminiscent of that peak Smiths moment, but in a way, it's cheekier and yet more serious because Paul Heaton, the leader of the House Martins, was a Marxist. And if you listened closely to those lyrics, some have breakfast in bed, some aren't properly fed. The way they talk about it makes me want to spit. And they're raising all their eyebrows at the raising of the pound while they raise another city to the ground. It's basically mm. anti-Thatcherite, agitprop to a really catchy beat. And um, if you liked that and you like very British music of the 80s. I highly, highly recommend London O Hull for that debut album by the House Martins. Other hits on it are include Happy Hour and Think for a Minute. And it's just a whole load of that catchiness and delightfulness. So yeah, really love that. Chris, I love that you included the House Martins. Love that band since the 80s. I love that moment in English rock and roll with the jangle, C86, all that stuff. So, so good. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18. Plus. I want to tell you about a new show from the Financial Times called Life and Art from FT Weekend, hosted by me, Lila Raptopoulos. Life and Art is twice a week. On Mondays, I have a guest on to talk about life and how to live a good one. Everything from winter travel to cooking to living more creatively. And on Fridays, we talk art. Two FT journalists and I discuss a piece of culture that's in the air. New music, movies, and more. Find Life and Art from FT Weekend wherever you listen. All right, another spin of the wheel here, Dana. We're going to go back to you. What do you got? Well, we're getting to maybe the midpoint here of our song selection. So I guess I will I will trot out my hammock song. This is an annual staple in the, the summer strut lineup is that you have to have at least a couple songs that are not for strutting, but for hammock swinging and beverage sipping. In fact, Chris and I were emailing back and forth about my shortlist because we submit our songs a bit early for him to research them. And remember this, Chris? I said, but I still don't have my hammock song. I can't find it. And then the Lord served it up. I think the very next song that came up on the playlist when I put it back on was Guava Jelly by the Ka'au Crater Boys, which is a Hawaiian duo from the 90s. And I've lots to say about this song, but let's just first hear a bit. Guava Jelly. Ooh, baby, here I am. Come rub up on my belly like guava jelly. I just, I need someone to grill me a burger while I lie in a lounge chair, <laughs> sipping a drink and listening to guava jelly. So when I put this on my list at first, I sort of thought, oh, well, this is just kind of a, this is a, a goofy little one-off song. I wonder what the history of the Ka'au Crater Boys is and of this song. And I started looking into it and it's a Bob Marley song related to your last reggae-related selection. Oh, 
And I just didn't realize that the song Guava Jelly, which to me is this silly, sexy sort of goof of a song, has this lineage, you know, that it's a Bob Marley song that Barbara Streisand recorded in the 70s. So I want to hear a little bit from Chris whether he knows anything about the history of the song and also of this group, which I guess only existed for about seven years in the 90s, two Hawaiian guys who sang and played together on the island of Oahu. I mean, I didn't know anything about them until you prompted me to look them up, but I'm glad I did because they're really quite virtuosic. I mean, they're a duo from Oahu specifically. And by the way, their name, Ka'au Crater Boys, is named after an extinct volcanic crater on Oahu. Uh, It's a duo of Ernie Cruz Jr., who plays guitar and bass, and Troy Fernandez, who plays that just amazing ukulele, that little hook he does, that rapid da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da hook that recurs throughout it, almost like a sample. It's just so, so catchy. And yeah, they released four albums from 1991 to 96, and then a Greatest Hits album a couple years after that, and then that was kind of it. But they caught, what I learned is that they basically caught a wave in Hawaii in the 90s where there was a resurgence in local Hawaiian customs and tradition. So they were very popular, but they were kind of bringing back very traditional Hawaiian sounds and styles, and they were appreciated for that, and they're well-remembered in Hawaii for that. This is you know, before other artists like, I don't know, Jack Johnson and Jason Mraz and even Bruno Mars played around with the so-called Jawaiian sound 20 years later. Uh, But these guys were kind of doing it in their, you know, home island very early on. Ah, It makes sense to me when you mentioned that they were part of a kind of revival of of Hawaiian folk sounds and turning it into to pop that it appeals to me so much because, I mean, everybody loves to bait me about my Brazilian music love and my general. I feel like there was a lot of pandering and music people sent to the list of like, Dana's going to like this because it's world music, as they used to call it in the 90s. And a lot of those songs I did love, but a lot of them I knew, so I didn't list them. But I kind of didn't think of Guava Jelly as belonging to that category. And I guess it kind of is, right? I mean, it's a revival of a regional music, which was very a la mode in that period of the 90s with the, with the David Byrne collections of Brazilian music and so forth. Julia, I think it falls to you for the next uh, tune. Give us what you got. All right. My pick, and I'm dying to hear the crisp breakdown of this song, is Fantastic Man by William Onyebor. Since I came to know you, Julia, this one was on my short, short list, too. This is one of the songs I wanted to talk about, and that's the first time we've had a direct crisscross since uh, since we started this episode. But yes, I'm so curious, especially because I did a bit of research on William Onyebor, and he's such an enigmatic figure. So Chris, take it away. Enigmatic is the word. I mean, there's several themes coming up here, like when we talked about Two Shell earlier and the fact that we you know, can't really know who they are. William Onyebor is this totemic figure in Nigerian funk, I guess you could call it. But for a long time, people were a little fuzzy as to who exactly he was. He recorded eight albums from 1977 to 1985, and then he became a born-again Christian, and he, for decades, refused to speak of his music ever again. Um, And interest was revived in, here's another theme for us, the mid-aughts by David Byrne's Luakabop label. Um, They issued a compilation by him, but even though Luakabop tried their best to do research about this guy, they couldn't find very much about him. He's kind of now considered an analog synthesizer legend. Those are, you know, early synths in that track. And, you know, it finally took a little bit of sleuthing by the folks at Vice magazine. I think it was the magazine Noisy, which is affiliated with Vice, who did a short documentary about William Onyeboard of kind of unearth him and bring him back into the public spotlight. But by then, in the tens, his music had become, you know, sort of grist for the hipster mill again. It was kind of circulating and this album was making 10 best lists and that whole thing. So yeah, just the weird funk of Fantastic Man 
you know, Pitchfork was saying that it could easily be mistaken for a modern damn funk track. It's very current sounding and yet very vintage at the same time, which is kind of impressive. Looks like it's uh, back to me, my turn again. Yeah. Okay, I love all my children equally, but um, I have to say I have a special soft spot for this, and and if we get to it, the next one uh, I'm going to do. But don't know much about this artist, but her voice is so, God, it just melts every part of you. Uh, Her name is Olivia Dean, and the song is called The Hardest Part. This was on my short list. Oh, my God. Call me up to meet you Static on the phone Normally I need you This time I don't want to go Lately I've been growing Into someone you don't know You had the chance to love her But apparently you don't No, you don't So even if I could Would it go back where we started? Oh, good. Yeah, right, Julia? It just gets me every time. You know, it's so funny. I This song, I almost laid it aside. as like, well, that's that big hit, so I won't do it because it's that hit. And then I, and when I was playing the final list for my family this weekend, I was like, well, and you guys must know this one because especially my sons now like know the lyrics to all these hits that I don't know. And they're like, we've never heard this song. And I was like, wait, is this not a huge hit? I just thought this was like Olivia Rodrigo but a different one. Like, and then I guess maybe she's not. Like, I, I don't think so. My kids didn't know it. Malanfi, this is a perfect pivot to you. Is she, how big a star is Olivia Dean? And if she's not as big as Julia and I think she should be, why? The answer to that question is she is breaking right now. This song is a hit on the American charts as we speak. It just rose to number 27 on the AAA, the adult album alternative chart, which is actually a pretty big radio format. And that's why Steve and I like it. <laughs> I was going to yeah. say, oh my, I've never, like, that is so We've, a- we've talked about the AAA chart. We've talked about the AAA <laughs> chart in past years. It's basically the format for people between, like, I don't know, 30 and 55 who, you know, like, uh, you know, alternative rock, but of a certain stripe. It's the Nora Jones chart, just be honest. <laughs> <laughs> it's more like the Jack Johnson chart, but yes, that's that's more or less your, or the Hozier chart. But, okay. um Here's what's curious about this. She's been recording for about five years now, and this song was actually first released in 2020, and the version Cameron just played is the original Olivia Dean solo version. However, the reason it's breaking right now on the charts is that in 2023, a remix with a new vocal by Leon Bridges, who, by the way, is a big artist on the AAA chart. He's had numerous hits on that chart. He's topped that chart a couple of times. Um, and he's been on our Strut. We've name-checked him on Strut a couple of times, too, I think. Yeah. Yes. I mean, speaking of people who have just wonderful voices, Leon Bridges has a wonderful, soulful voice, not unlike Olivia Dean. They sound great together. The duet version of The Hardest Part is climbing the charts right now. And uh, it's from a new LP from Olivia Dean called Messy, which is full of modernized old-school R&B. Uh, John Perellis at the New York Times did a whole profile on her a month or two ago, and he basically called it Memphis Soul with a sleek electronic gloss. And that's what I love about it. There's something both fundamentally old-school about that song and yet very modern and current-sounding at the same time. It, it really pulls off a pretty neat trick. It sounds like a standard. Like it's a, it, yeah. it really is a strong structure, here, here. the song. And I um I like the new duet and I like Leon Bridges, but I actually think the original is Me too. my preferred. Me track. too. Yeah. It brought me back it's like the feeling I had when I first heard Chasing Pavements and didn't really know who Adele was and I was like, Oh, that voice and that's a, a really beautifully crafted and delivered song. But anyway, Chris, what do you got? Yeah, no, Adele is a good analogy there. I totally agree. Um, Let's see, moving on to my next pick. How about a total change of pace? Um, Can we hear Drunk and I Don't Want to Go Home by (laughs) L. King and Miranda Lambert? Uh, Yes. (laughs) 
That is my kind of country crossover right there. Uh, here you've got L King, who's kind of a alternative blues rocker. I, there's no real good genre to describe L King, and I say that as a compliment. And now she's making a pivot to country. This song actually first came out back in 2021. It's a duet with Miranda Lambert, who of course is a queen of country, has been scoring country hits for the better part of two decades now. And until the banjo kicks in, in the, you know, the lift to the chorus, this could be rock, it could be pop, it could be even a dance record, but then the banjo comes in and it's got a twang to it. And it actually topped the country air playlist about a year ago. Um, her album, Come Get Your Wife, I love that as an album title, just came out this year. And it's L. King actually pivoting to country music after several albums of more rock and pop music. And I feel like she just picked the perfect song and the perfect duet partner to kind of make that transition into country and and do it on her own terms. So that's why I like that record. You know what? My next song is also a, a different tenor of sloppy at the bar song. So maybe I should go next, Dana, and then you can take my slot. Would that work for you? Sure. Jump in. Okay. My next song is called Fuck Around Phase by a band called <laughs> Housewife. Child of my own divorce. That's the most brilliant lyric I've ever heard. Line. Oh man, that kicks. And it starts out like just so it starts out pretty big, but it's so coiled and you know you're gonna get that yeah. pop and then it pops and then it pops bigger. Julia, that's a winner. That is so good. It's so good and the lyrics, you know, it's always a balance with these songs. Does the beat work? Does the build work? And are the lyrics not unthinkably stupid and when the lyrics are actually incredibly smart oh yeah sometimes you know, it's, it's like great when funny... they're stupid too <laughs> yes actually i have i have i have a song that's an ode to to the modernity of cryptocurrency that i might um that i might pop into our plus oh, segment that and high life song that's so good that's a good one um but yes sometimes you want the lyrics to be stupid but in a very specific way but this one the lyrics just get smarter and smarter it actually reminds me a little bit of the cmat song from last year there's a resonance with the kind of smart tart sweet tart tone Every Bottle is My Boyfriend. That was one of my fave picks. And because of that, I ended up seeing CMAT live last fall. It reminds me a little bit of the Beths in that it's got kind of a 90s revival grunge sound to it, which is, mm-hmm. you know, giving giving me all the feels. Housewife, by the way, is mostly a single person. Her name is Bridget Fry. She's from Toronto. She uses, I should say, they use she, they pronouns. Um, She was signed to a major in 2022. She dropped an EP. This is their 2023 single. She does collaborate with a guitarist and, you know, co-singer named Pascal Padilla. But for all intents and purposes, Bridget Fry is housewife. My favorite lyric is, they say, Bridget, why are you being an asshole? Because Bridget want to have a good time, which I think kind of says it all. (laughs) It's like smart dumb. Because Bridget uh, wanted to have a good time. Like, it's not even grammatically correct, and that makes it that much smarter. Cookie so, monster yeah. grammar. Because Bridget wanted to have a good time. Yeah, pretty much. 
<laughs> so satisfying. All right. Uh, All right. Da- I couldn't resist the segue, but Dana. That actually segues perfectly, though, for me, because the first thing I thought when hearing that clip from your last song is that it's a mascara song, which is another enduring category of, of strut, the, the thing that you listen to while you're getting ready to go out and have a big night, right? Which usually has some sort of like self-empowering, I'm Bridget is an asshole because Bridget wants to be <laughs> a vibe to it. And, uh, and my next song fits exactly into that category. It's my mascara pick. Uh, it's by an artist I wasn't familiar with before, but who I guess has had a huge hit. Chris will tell us about that. Her name is Chappelle Roan, and it's called Feminine-Nominon. I'm so sick of all I love, and I don't understand why can't any man hit it like, get it hot, make a bitch. Can you play a song with a fucking beat? Hit it like, hit it like a mama bomb. Get it hot, get it hot like Papa John. Let the bitch go on and on. It's a feminine phenomenon. Hit it like, hit it like a mama bomb. Get it hot, get it hot like Papa John. So I love this song because it's got so much going on. It starts with the revving of a dirt bike, and the video, which is great and worth finding online, also has Chappelle Roan riding a dirt bike. Then it turns into the, you know, the kind of slower, more mournful beginning about her failed attempts at relationships. And then when the beat drops after her asking, can you please play a fucking beat? It gets so funny and goofy. I cannot stop laughing at the line, get it hot, get it hot like Papa John. <laughs> and so See, that's to me, I chose smart this, stupid right there. It's, it's exactly, it's smart stupid. And I chose this completely because it's a goof and silly and funny and a great mascara song to kind of pump you up for a night out. But then I was reading a bit about the story of the song and it actually, which you can hear when you listen to it with this in mind, is, is a coming out anthem and uh, and apparently was written right around the time that Chappelle Roan decided to come out and live as a queer woman. And uh, and it really is about, in a way, deciding to give up on men and switch over to the feminine phenomenon instead. Hmm. I feel a little bad for Chappelle Roan because she's this close to having the career of Olivia Rodrigo and she just hasn't quite scored an actual across the board big ass radio hit yet. She works with the exact same producer-songwriter, Dan Nigro, who works with Olivia Rodrigo and produced her smash album, Sour. But, you know, she's very eclectic. She was, uh, her, you know, original name, Kaylee Rose Amstutz. She's from Missouri. But she's kind of recreated herself as the Chappelle Roan character. And I just love the eclecticism of her sound and the fact that she can go from those sort of orchestral swirls into fingers in the air, hard rock, all in the same track. Yeah, I think it's, the more I listen to it, it's lighthearted and danceable, but it is a really virtuosic piece of music making. There's so much going on there, and yeah. uh, it's, it makes me want to explore her a lot more. I would, I would go see her live just based on the, the strength of that song. All right, so my next song is by Mary Clayton. That's spelled M-E-R-R-Y. She's very famous for one thing unjustly only for this one thing which is she was called out of bed when she was four months pregnant to do the guest vocal on the rolling stone song gimme shelter and she went and recorded it i don't know i mean take a couple takes and it's of course one of the great rock and roll vocal performances of all time and it's legendary here. in and of itself her voice cracks as she's she sings um she's repeating Rape, murder, it's just a shot away. And on one of them, her voice totally cracks. And you audibly, if you really listen, you hear Mick Jagger in the background go, Woo. Like he's just so exhilarated by it. And she went home and miscarried. And so oh it's God. just this kind of grotesque story that kind of imbues that's i mean that's that song to me that's i mean i know this is just idiotic hyperbole but to me that song is just the song of the 1960s or the late 60s it just condenses all of the chaos and violence and the sense of the world coming apart and there's some blood curdling energy to be derived from it but also at the cost of some deeper more horrible nihilism you know and um anyway i was delighted to discover through someone's contribution to the 
playlist that Mary Clayton had a great solo career and came out with, I think, a masterful album called Mary Clayton, self-titled, on which there's a wonderful mix of like ballads, covers, all kinds of stuff, but she does an absolutely kick-ass cover of Neil Young's Southern Man. Southern Man, you better keep your head. Don't Chris, song resonates differently when a black American woman sings it than when a white Canadian folky sings it, right? Exactly right. I'll be honest. When I first played this, when I was listening to the Strut playlist, I had to go Southern Man, huh? Titled like the Neil Young song. And I had to play it twice before I realized this is a cover of the Neil Young song because her cadence and the arrangement is so different. She's basically taken Neil Young's lyrics, which are, by the way, anti-racist lyrics, mm-hmm. and, yes. and, and turned it and turned it into actual black music. That's what's remarkable about this vocal performance and the arrangement and just everything about it. You know, the story Steve told of Gimme Shelter is, of course, legendary for a reason and amazing and heartrending at the same time. One of my favorite details about Mary Clayton, you know, she was a Ray Charles Raylette. She sang with everybody from Linda Ronstadt to Carole King. One of my favorite details is that she also sings backup on Sweet Home Alabama by Leonard Skinner, which, of course, is, wait for it, wait for it, the answer record to Neil Young's Southern Man. (laughs) So when in Sweet Home Alabama, when the Van Zandt sing a Southern Man, don't need him around anyhow, they're talking about Neil Young's. They they name Neil Young. Yeah, they I hope name Neil Young will remember. It's 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 a an answer record, a beef record for all intents and purposes. It's like a beef record before the invention of hip hop. The idea that Mary Clayton both covered Southern Man before the recording of Leonard Skinner's song, by the way, and then sang back up on Sweet Home Alabama is just way too perfect. So that's my favorite detail. Incredible stories behind that one. Wow. All right, Chris, let's conclude the regular portion of the show with you. What do you have? Well, this week, we're recording this the second week of August 2023 is, of course, the 50th anniversary of hip hop. And I felt like it wouldn't be right if we didn't talk about some old school hip hop. Just this weekend, I was at the Rock the Bells Festival in Queens, watching everyone from LL Cool J to Rakim to Ludacris throwing down on the mic in a concert that has happened before, but was especially poignant this year because it's the 50th anniversary of hip hop. And so I would like to play a song by Talib Kweli called Shock Body, which is from his excellent, excellent 2002 album, Quality, if we could do that right now. hook on that is shock body rock the block party which of course is itself kind of a an homage to the you know dj cool herc history of hip-hop mm. that we're celebrating right now uh talib Kweli made his name in the late 90s in the duo black star with most deaf and then when he went solo everybody acclaimed his just his flow i mean he's he's an incredible you know bars dropper of in the rakim school of classic hip-hop 
there are several tracks on this album that are produced by Kanye West, actually, including Get By, which was the single and is a superlative track if you don't mind listening to something Kanye uh, affiliated. But this track, uh, Shock Body, was produced by DJ Scratch, who himself has plenty of hip-hop history. He produced EPMD in the late 80s. He produced Busta Rhymes in the 90s. And he's kind of at his peak in the early aughts. He was producing The Roots, LL Cool J. Um, I love that horn fanfare. That's kind of like the killer hook that ties it all together. It's by a guy named Gap Mangione, who, by the way, was the brother of Chuck Mangione. Um, mm. Gap Mangione is a pianist, so I think the horn is played by somebody else in his troupe on that track, but nonetheless, it's killer, and I, it manages to be an aughts hit that calls back to the old school of hip-hop, which I like a lot, so thank you for that. Okay, wait, wait, wait. Before we go, before we wrap, Julia, we have to mention one song in particular that got dropped into our list. Do you want to you want to do this? I feel like maybe we should just start by playing it <laughs> and we mm. can describe it. Yo, I'm hanging out with the culture fest. That's the podcast that I like best. They got Dana and Julia. Don't forget Steve. When you start to listen, you never want to leave. I kind of feel like they're talking right to me. I always like to listen happily. Chris, well, I think going to make you answer yet. All I got to say is that they got it going on, on. Okay, so this was a real surprise. I think it came up in like the first tw- 10 or 20 songs that I listened to, but it, apparently DJ J-Stroke has submitted what what I assume is an original composition <laughs> that is an ode to our show. And I'm so honored. Uh, the, the song goes along, <laughs> goes on for a while. There is a gamelan breakdown. <laughs> there is a reference to Buster <laughs> Keaton. <laughs> Talk about there. pandering. I worry that we set a precedent here that every time anybody writes us a custom song, we will have to name it. But so we've done it for 10 years and gotten one. So if we get one a decade, I think that's tenable. But what did you guys make of this? What does it say about my inner life that I was waiting for the biting, you know, like takedown? It's a diss track. It had to be coming. I just flinched the whole time, but it's so sweet. It's so earnest. That's the thing. I expected it to be snarky, and it's not actually snarky. It's just kind of sweet. It was such a great surprise to come across on the list. And of course, we couldn't choose it for a short list because it would be too much self-back padding. But thank you so much, DJ J-Stroke. Before we go, we should listen to uh, a little bit more either chorus or the Gamelon breakdown. We'll we'll let Cameron uh, be the DJ (laughs) as we head off into Plus. You're gonna hear me when I'm speaking. I won't be silent like Buster Keaton. When I start to strip, ain't nothing stopping me. It's a part of it, old McCaffrey. It's summer time in the party time. Now let's break it down with some gamelan. Oh, yeah. Chris, thank you so much for joining us. As always, what a pleasure to do strut with you. A real institution. Here, here. Thank you, Steve. Julia, thank you so much. Thank you. Dana, thanks. That was so fun. So, so fun. Yeah, we have a great playlist to show for it, too. You'll find links to some of the things we talked about today at our show page. That's slate.com slash culturefest. And you can email us at culturefest at slate.com. Our introductory music is by the composer Nicholas Bertel. Our production assistant is Kat Hong. Our producer is Cameron Drews. For Chris Malanfi, Dana Stevens, and Julia Turner, I'm Stephen Metcalf. Thank you so much for joining us. We will see you soon. Yeah.